0: Love Talk Radio. I
1: have an emergency. What
0: is your location? For your soul. Amen. Good morning. Yes, there is a war going on out there and we have plenty of it. So, Father God, we thank you that you have told us, you told us in these last days there'd be not only wars and rumors of wars, but Lord God, intense uh demonic activity and including in our relationships, in our spiritual walk with you. So today, Father, I pray that you give us encouragement, eyes to see, ears to hear, and wisdom and counsel on how to respond to people who Uh, treat us unfairly with injustices and offenses, Lord God, because it's so common, Lord, and you know how the enemy sets us up to provoke us, Lord God, to uh, get us to be provoked, uh, to attack and assault others. So, Lord, give us wisdom and counsel in, in the instruction of your word. I thank you, Jesus. You demonstrated well how to live and die and not be offended, how to forgive, how to redeem us through your shed blood, how there was no offense. Satan could find nothing. Uh, wrong with you. Lord, he had nothing on you, as you said. And so I pray today that you'd help us with our walk as we uh, follow you, Lord, that we'd walk in that that sure counsel and the constant assurance of your justice, Father God. And I pray for divine protection over these uh, radio waves, Lord God, over the communication, the tele- uh, transcription, the uh, Uh, that the the enemy will not be able to get in with the technical difficulties as he often tries to do. But we bind and ban and forbid him in the name of Jesus Christ. We plead your blood over the airways, over the ears of the people to hear, and also that you've promised us that no no weapon formed against us will prosper. So today we ask that same divine covering, the shields of God over us, over our, our people. Lord God, there's so many ways that we need to be protected that we don't even realize that you are there. So give us wisdom now, and we ask these things, Father, in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. Hey, good morning.
2: Good morning. Are Amen. you there? I am here.
0: Okay, am all here. right. Today we're going to be Correct. dealing with injustices.
2: Well, yeah, hot topic. Yeah, injustice. You know, you, many times, you know, we have, you know, you've heard people say, well, it's just not fair.
1: Oh, it's for not sure. fair.
2: And I think you you have a teaching on that. Yeah. Uh, when life isn't fair, or something yeah. like that, or exactly. it's not fair, you yeah. have a CD you could get through life recovery dot com.
0: Hey, you know, I got to say something before you go on to the definition. Uh, even children, by the time they're three years old, can define what's fair and not fair by determining the size of the the glass of Kool Aid or the cookie or the whatever. The, the, the it's just kind of an innate thing that we're very sensitive to things that are not right. And are not fair. Um, so that's kind of the part of, I believe, our divine nature actually comes with the package of God's creating of us. He's also very sensitive to injustices and aware of them. So what's the definition?
2: Well, you, you said that God is a just God and we're created in his image. So we have a, we kind of have an innate sensitivity to injustice. Right. But at the same time, we get wrong perceptions of injustices too. And we'll talk about that in mm-hmm. just a bit. But if something is just, it is something that is right or fair, we could say, mm-hmm. all right? And justice, it's the quality of being correct. Uh, it, it is making sure that reward or penalty deserved is given.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's deserved and it's also given.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So good things would be rewarded, bad things would be rewarded with a, a penalty and so forth. Um, the use and authority of... Uh, use of authority and power to uphold what is right so so justice is the use of authority and power to uphold what is right just or lawful now that supposedly that's why we have our congress that's we, why we have our court system in this uh, yeah, in country right.
1: sense. we're
2: supposed to be upholding that which is right according to the uh, the constitution according of the to United the States, law yeah according to the law
0: but you know what there's an interesting problem here with uh, the law, because the law says an eye for an eye, a tooth for tooth, a blow for blow, blood for blood. It's a kind of a, you know, across the board, if you punch out my eye, you don't get to keep your eye. That's that's kind of the definition of justice as based on the law. But when Jesus came, you know, he reinstituted or established, built upon that law, but established. Uh, he said the letter of the law kills, but the spirit gives life. So he instituted justice based on trust, forgiveness and love. And um, so I think for, for a lot of believers, um, when you're trying to get what's, what's right and fair and have the same size cookie and the same this and the same, it actually ends up not working, um, as we have seen people who've tried to do that before, it ends up becoming even more of a, a tangle. Uh, because then sometimes Jesus said, you know, like I said, the law, this, the, the letter of the law kills, even as he demonstrated um, in his ministry, you can carry that law to the point of extremes where it actually becomes contrary to love.
2: Well, so what happens, so in, in our nation, uh, uh, legislatures or uh, courts, uh, you know, institute laws or uphold laws that are corrupt laws. They're
0: Right, exactly. They're,
2: they're wrong. They're human laws. They're based on corruption. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But so what is unjust is something that obviously is not just. It's not right. It's not fair. Mm-hmm. Injustice is wrong and unfair actions resulting in harm, pain, and injury to people.
0: Right. And if people are walking and living under the law of love, the you know, the law of love, they won't be causing pain and injury and harm. And, and at least it won't be their intention. Sometimes things get out of control and it's not your fault. But the thing is, I think the problem with a lot of Christians, again, is they don't know which foundation to build on. because. Uh, if you go with, you know, what people are fighting for these days in our nation, for example, it's all about me and mine and fair and my rights, and I'm mad at you. And there's a lot of evil provoking, Satan is agitating like crazy in in the people to create this war of what uh, we do not war against flesh and blood. So in, on that level, on personal levels, uh, all of the fighting, the contention, the injustices, Really boil down to a failing. Uh, they're they're based on fear because fear is the opposite of love. So they base they're based on a failure to love, a failure to trust God, forgive, release judgments, and love the other person.
2: Right, and so injustice has prevailed on the earth since really oh, yeah. early human history. You know, I mean, how about Cain uh, and Abel? Cain rose up and killed Abel. That was mm-hmm. totally injustice. He was jealous because
0: yeah, insecure, Cain, uh, angry, upset. Yeah, Abel yeah. was
2: righteous. Cain was unrighteous, and so the un the unrighteous got killed and got did show mercy. Uh, the righteous got killed, and and uh, in Abel being killed, and then Cain, um, you know, basically. Well, he he, he received he received he pouted and <laughs> yeah. received punishment. So, but still, a righteous person died, and so we've got and
0: it, well, that's a long story about but about injustice. But that's where it starts. And the blood, Abel's blood, cried out from the ground to God, and God then stepped in at that point because there was no judge, there was no constitution. God stepped in and meted out the proper just justice in his uh, in his righteous and. You know, in in accordance with his mercy, his justice and his mercy work together, as we can see. And it's not that God is double minded, but he is the he is both are found in him, mercy and justice.
2: Well, right. And then, you know, you have the situation here. And really, this is just really like describing, let's say, the United States of America and pretty much all the world today from Isaiah chapter 59. Uh, even though he is writing concerning, you know, uh, Judah, Israel and what was going on there. Isaiah 59, verse 1, starting there, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. For your uh, hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perversity.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Verse 4, yeah. no one calls for justice, nor does any plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity.
1: Absolutely and,
2: correct. And so and, uh, that's it, what talks, it talks about judge, uh, justice is turned away. Uh, well,
1: mm-hmm. verse yeah. Um, yeah.
2: 9, therefore, well, that's verse 8, uh, Isaiah 59 again. The way of peace they have not known, and there's no justice in their ways. They have made themselves crooked paths. Whoever takes that way will not know peace. Therefore, justice is far from us, nor does righteousness overtake us. We look for light, but there is darkness. For brightness, we walk in blackness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then last, the middle part of verse 11, we look for justice, but there is none. And then uh, verses 14 and 15, justice is turned back. And righteousness stands afar off for truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. So truth fails and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. So it's a real picture of uh, injustice that's going on because of the uh, iniquity, the departure
1: from of people from,
2: from the, uh, the following truth, the yeah. living God. And, and what happens is, Injustice is the result of human sin that because we have consciously or unconsciously um, persistently followed the evil one.
0: I think one of the problems is that nowadays, I mean, I see it in the believers. I see it. You know, We become a prey because we're standing up for righteousness. And as you can see in the context of this world that we're in right now, truth and justice have fallen in the streets. No one really seeks truth. They all want their own way. Uh, and there's and they, their way seems right to them. They're, they're blinded, really blinded. But what I find is a real problem in this dealing with offenses and dealing with injustices is it, it, there's a there's a real temptation. I think it's a temptation actually from Satan to get the believers to become offended, to get to us to you know, take matters into our own hands, start judging back, uh, starting pointing fingers uh, you know, when really we need to have pity and mercy upon these people and also in your individual life, the people who are attacking you because really we're as vulnerable to being sucked into this battle as they are. They started with their marches or their pickets or their pointing of the finger or their, you know, the way they treat us at school or at work. They, they believe lies. They're back into that place of fear and control where I've got to do it myself and Listen, I tell you what, for you, I don't know about for, for, for me, I don't know about for you, but we can get justice bound up and tangled up and thrown into the tiz and waste our time in this battle because this is not the battle God has called to stand for righteousness and truth. We become a prey, but God is not called us to take up the, the cause of justice. Justice and truth will defend themselves and God is going to take care of those things.
2: You know, like you touched on, Marjorie, that, you know, there's all types of injustice in the political and governmental structure and the judicial department, uh, racial, economic, the workplace, school, athletics, sports, uh, even in the churches, religious things, mm-hmm. persecution, family, injustice. I mean, how unjust is it that a baby doesn't have a chance to be born mm-hmm. uh, before they're, they're butchered?
0: But, you know, it's, okay. Uh, stop you for a second, because, you know, think, these things wear us out. They wear yeah. out the righteous they they, they cause right. them to become angry, frustrated, yes. uh, and we and, and we and it's easy for us to turn our eyes away from the just judge, the righteous one, the one who's going to vindicate the one who to whom vengeance belongs, and we get offended, we get upset, we get angry, we get uh pulled in
2: yeah, and it's like you know there and there are certain groups um, you know and organizations that are making various efforts to put a stop to what they describe as injustice, you know, they focus. But they're
0: doing it in an, in, in an unjust way. Right, And
2: right. so
0: they, they've really so defeated let's, themselves.
2: Let's, yeah, we get angry, we complain, get angry. Um, oh, yeah. There's lawsuits, divorces, demonstrations, riots, wars,
1: mm-hmm.
2: over perceived or genuine injustices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he, one of the things that we have to remember that in this world, the problem that we have is, is the fact that we expect life to be fair? Right. We expect there to be justice in this fallen world, and usually, it isn't. And well,
0: it, it will not be. Obviously, it cannot be. That's an, an absolute because Satan is the god of this world, and he is he is the king of the of the world right now, the king of the earth, and he will make sure that things that especially if you're a righteous person, you're going to be ripped off. And you know, I got to think of that there's so many examples in the Bible where people were unjustly treated and it was, it, many of them suffering for righteousness sake. I think of John the Baptist and he was sitting in prison. It was in uh, Luke chapter 11, I mean seven, he was sitting in prison and he's about to get his head cut off. He had been thrown in prison after he ministered to Jesus, after he started the get, got the ball rolling for, for Jesus. You know, he was the evangelist kind of that opened the door. And so he's sitting there, you know, waiting to find out what's going to happen with his life. And he sends a couple of disciples to Jesus and he says, um, you know, are you the guy, are you the right guy? Are you the guy that I I'm given my life for? Are you, I'm laying, but I'm laying down my life here. I just want to know if um, that, you know, you're the guy, you're the right guy that I stood up for. And because obviously he was suffering for righteousness sake and because of the injustice, the cruelties, the jealousies, the insecurities of, uh, Herodias and Herod and um, John had called their you know unlawful marriage on the carpet so to speak and they got offended but um, and so and Jesus said to him he says uh, go tell John the things that you've seen and heard the blind see the lame walk the lepers are cleansed the deaf hear the dead are raised the poor have the gospel preach to them and here's my favorite verse And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. John, don't get offended. John, you're okay. John, you did right. I'm the right guy. You can see by the very fruits that are coming out of my life, uh, the the, the works of my hands, the miracles, this is an endorsement of my authority and of me being that that, uh, Messiah. So he said, blessed, don't pick up the offense. When you are suffering for righteousness' sake, that's the temptation to get offended. Jesus answered what John didn't even know was his real problem. Was he going to get mad, get bitter, because he he laid down his life for something that was maybe not right. By faith, he had laid it down. And now he was just asking the question, Jesus, don't worry about it. Don't get offended. Don't pick up the offense. You're good.
2: Well, the righteous often suffer while the wicked appear to prosper. Of you know, course they do. In Psalm 73, that's uh, the psalmist there uh, wrestles with that issue. Uh, verse 3, for I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Yeah. And he describes how it's... It seems like they're prospering, and then and then he contrasts that with what his, his own experience was. He said, "My," he said, uh, verse twelve. Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in riches. Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm here to live a righteous life, but I, you know, I get chastened, I got, I get opposed,
1: mm-hmm. all that
2: sort of thing. But then he does resolve it at the end. He says, "Surely, you know that you have set them in slippery places. Yeah. These these are, uh, they're going to be brought to desolation in a the moment. They are utterly consumed with terrors. Um, you cast them down to destruction. So he sees when he went, he got perspective. He said, when I mm-hmm. thought to understand this in Psalm 73:16, it was too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. so he got this perspective from looking at, at God and the worship yeah, of God. Exactly. He he came to an understanding of This yes, it might seem like that for now. Uh, it seemed like the wicked are prosperous and the righteous are just getting beaten to pieces a lot. Well, but God is going to, God is going to turn that case, around.
0: Right. Yeah. And in Proverbs, it says, um, I think it's 2022. He says, do not say I will avenge my enemy because a vengeance belongs to the Lord. And I think that's really powerful that, um, we can trust that God is the righteous one. And I'm thinking too of in Jeremiah, let's see, I'll just read Proverbs again, 2022, he says, um, do not say, "I will recompense evil, or "I will get even." He says, "Wait for the Lord and He will save you." G- God is marking all this stuff down, and Jesus cautioned us as referring back to the people who are trying to uh, you know take up a cause and stand for what's right and 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 in the process of standing for what's right, they do what's wrong, like the woman taken in adultery um they were trying to supposedly th- th- that was what the the Im- impression they were trying to give Jesus that they were law-abiding legal citizens who want to uphold the law that this woman should be stoned because she was taken in the act of adultery. Um, but their real reason for bringing this woman at that time of the day to Jesus Christ was to trick him, set him up, and see what he would do, see if they could trick him or trap him. And Jesus responded with this famous one-liner, he who's without sin cast the first stone. Basically, you know, be careful when you are picking up an offense that you, you you're Remember the parable. Remember the parable where Jesus said um, the guy. He told the story about the guy who was forgiven a whole lot, a big debt. And then the guy turned around and would not forgive those who owed him little debts. And the the one who first forgave him, pardoned him of his debt, was very offended, upset, and threw him out into the, you know, into the jail where he had to stay until all was paid. This is. We have all been forgiven. We are way ahead of them. We have. It doesn't care what. It, I don't care what it looks like if it looks like they're getting prospered and blessed, of course they have a demonic blessing upon them because Satan wants to keep them, bribe them, hold them. He can intimidate us through through negative things or he can uh, persuade us through positive things. As long as he persuades us to come his way, he doesn't care what he uses. So we are way far ahead of them in that we already have eternal life. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. When Jesus comes back, all of this will be made right and correct. And this becomes our hope. And as we see in Lamentations, which is right in the middle of Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, right in the middle of the, the captivity when all is the desolation, the, you know, the, the, the nuclear bomb has gone off basically in Jerusalem, not actually, but, you know, the, the the enemy has come and carried away the people and killed the king and punched out his eyes and, and de- demolished the city and whatever it's done. And Jeremiah is in despair. He is in chapter three of Lamentations, which is, You'd think that'd have a be a book with no hope, but in the middle of it, he's got some cool things he says here. Um, Verse nineteen: Remember my affliction and roaming, the wormwood and the gall. My soul still remembers and sinks within me. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. So even in the midst of this war torn devastation, he's looking all around. the, The prosperity is gone. Everything's turned to ashes. There's bitterness wormwood probably not enough water disaster total disaster um and no relief Uh, nobody came to their aid uh he says but he remembers the compassions of the lord fail not they are new every morning great is your faithfulness the lord is my portion says my soul therefore i hope in him when you think you're getting ripped off and someone's stolen your portion there's no way they can steal your portion god is your portion They're not going to be able to rip you off. They can maybe think, get you to think or feel like you've been ripped off and you're mad and upset and offended, but blessed is he who stays calm. Don't get offended. Don't give that to them. Don't become, you know, when you're dealing with even a a rebellious, angry, confused, distraught teenager, if you start pulling in and getting emotional in the midst of the fight with them, I promise you, you have already lost the fight at that point. I don't care what happens, what you force them to do, what, what boundary you set, what, you know, uh, punishment you meet out whatever you do you've already lost it because you've you, they've won in that they've provoked you to the point where you got emotional and so this is a, a wisdom in all of these matters in, in when you watch the news when you see what's going on a, every day I mean there's a 10,000 things if you want to pay your attention to it that could get you angry upset and ma- cause you to lose your hope and think that somehow they've they've stolen your portion they don't have your portion rejoice in God. They never get your portion. Your portion is God. God is the vindicator. He's the truth. justice. as long as you love justice, truth, and God, the true God, the one true God, you know, the one true God doesn't tell us to kill for him. You know, like he says, they will tell you, they will kill in my name and thinking they think they're doing me a a favor. They will kill you in my name. That's what some religious zealots do. Kill in the name of their God, but he's not the one true God. God never ordered that. But the thing is, they're thinking they're doing God a service, but they're not. And you are going to be doing God no service if you become judgmental and evil and angry about all of that. We've got to know that these people, your your enemy, I don't care who it is, your your teammate, your classmate, your your uh, boss, your uh, you know the customer, uh, they all have souls. And if they're rude and acting horrible and offended, it's because they're hurt. Because they, are, they have no hope. He says, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. This is Lamentations chapter 3, verse 24. It says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Part of our solution to the problem is to wait upon the Lord and not to grow bitter, not to allow this anger to seethe and, and, and swallow it. until so it becomes bitterness and it becomes inflammation and it begins to burn up your bones and wreck your joints to the soul who seeks him seek god in the midst of these things the more they drive after you pursue you the more you drive into god the more you seek god the more you get on your face for them the more you weep for them the more you pray for their souls and their salvation it says verse 26 it is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the lord god does not ask us to go to the streets and riot god asks us to go to the prayer closet and pray god asks us to lift up their souls before him because if they don't get saved they will go to hell, and there's nothing more horrible. And, un, un, and, and part of the problem is they don't even know. They're totally blind. And he says, it is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. The salvation comes from the Lord. God is using these, these difficult things to train us up so that we can mellow out in our old age. Let him sit alone and keep silent because God has laid it upon him. Let him, let him put, to his mouth, put his mouth to the dust. There, that there, I'm sorry. Let him put his mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes him and be full of reproach. God says, just take it. Turn the other cheek. Go the second mile. That doesn't mean be stupid. Um, there are times when God says, on the other hand, you shake the dust off and don't eat, from, eat with them. So there's no absolute here where it's every time you've got to turn the other cheek. It's, there is a right. There's truth has two sides. Um, but the Lord says, for the Lord will not cast off forever, though he causes grief yet he will show compassion according to the multitude of his his mercies for he does not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men it's not god doing this to us to crush under his feet all the prisoners of the earth to turn aside the justice to a man before the lord the face of the most high or subvert a man in his cause the lord does not approve god is not in this god is not okay with this god is permitting this for now just like jesus permitted john the baptist to to baptize him he says permit it to be so for righteousness sake permit it to be so for now this is where we're going through we're going through this and our test in going through this horrific uh constant daily barrage of wickedness and insults and idolatry and sin and curses and uh, is to walk through it with the nature and the and the spirit of the living god
2: we have to look at the uh, heart of the matter here, and it's that uh, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, Ephesians six twelve. 12. So Absolutely. we have to look. Yeah, we have to, do, I think, address issues from a righteous perspective. You know, but we're not to get all. Uh, political, you know, our issues yeah. in our nation are not going to be solved mm-hmm. all by, you know, Donald Trump or by the politicians or by the Supreme Court or by the ACLU or any other
0: kind of
2: organization. <laughs> uh-huh. So so we are not here to bring heaven to earth That's right. uh, but we are here to be light and salt and to make a difference. Yeah. We are not, the, the world system, this evil world system of injustice is not going to be put down and taken over until Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, uh, comes to rule and reign. In the meantime, though, we are called to be salt and light in the earth. Well, we're called to have that influence for truth mm-hmm. and righteousness.
0: Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, you know, like some people think thy, thy kingdom come means we have to bring the kingdom of God to earth. The kingdom of God is here already. It is within us, as Jesus said when they asked, where's the kingdom? He says, it's ready right inside of you. And the thing is, when the kingdom is here, we're here to enforce. To, the, the, the work of the churches in Ephesians chapter 3, 9 and 10 is to declare uh, or, or the manifest power of God to the powers and principalities. We're here. As salt and light, like you said, to enforce the kingdom of God, to bind to loose, to do battle, because the kingdom of God is here; it's already here. It's a matter of standing in that kingdom and declaring its principles and truth in the face of great opposition. Yeah,
2: and, and Romans fourteen seventeen says the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy
0: in the, in Holy, the Holy, Ghost. Holy in
2: the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So you know that's when,
0: where it's in. It's when, inside of it. When
2: someone repents of their sin and believes in Jesus puts their faith in Jesus, becomes a new creation. That's an invasion of the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. When a body that's sick, that's healed by the power of God, that's the invasion of the kingdom of God. When a right someone who is demonized, mm-hmm. uh, is the demons Celebrate. are cast out, set free, uh, that is the invasion of the kingdom of God. When the people are... You know, instead of being full of demonic powers, people become full of the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. That is the invasion of the kingdom of God. And The rule of of God is coming. And it's it's right now, it's partial, it's piecemeal, so to speak. But one of these days, the kingdoms of this world are going to become the the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And
0: that is our hope, the hope that justice will stand up Uh, Again, that truth will be reinstated in the nations of the world, not just in our nation. But going on to the kingdom of God within us, as the kingdom of God in the individual, the salvation, the deliverance, the sanctification uh, continues to go forward, then we step out into our context, into our world, our environment, and we begin to to declare the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is the invasion of the kingdom of God into the places of darkness. And so. in one of the, you know, God, Jesus gave us a couple of real powerful um, mandates when he was here in Matthew 18:18. 18, 18. He's talking about whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth is loose in heaven. And he's talking about that in the context of injustices, um, forgiveness. Um, and then he also says it in Matthew 16, whatever he's giving it there in the context of the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And then he says, I give you power, Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. And then he says it again in Matthew eighteen eighteen, where he's talking in context of forgiveness of a brother who sinned against you, etc. And he says, I say to you, red letters, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. So what God is saying here is, if you, if you want to do something about the injustice, use your powers. <laughs> the third power he gave us was in John chapter 20. This is the most magical power of all. This is the most powerful power of all the powers he's given us, and people don't even know it. And it is John chapter 20, verses starting with us. Um, I'll, I'll read 20 and twenty twenty. He says, peace be to you. Now, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad that they saw the Lord. Then Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, so I also send you. Now, they were terrified. They had just su- suffered through the, cru- the crucifixion. And three days of terror, you know, hiding out, afraid the Romans would come and find them. It's amazing the Romans didn't chase them, isn't it? And when he had said this, he breathed on them and gave them their power. He said, receive the Holy Spirit, the source of all power. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. That power of forgiveness, binding, loosing, and forgiveness. Forgiveness is the greatest power of all. Because when you forgive someone for the injustice or the crime or the sin, whether it's a sin of a nation, a group, or an individual, you turn that crime over to the Lord God and you say, I forgive you. I release you from my judgment. I turn the judgment of this matter, this crime over to the judge of all the earth, the righteous judge of all the universe. I turn these crimes over to him and let him be the judge. I no longer judge you because if you do that, the, the devil will come back on you and judge you for the very things you're judging them for. It's just like Oh, terrible spiritual blindness. That, I mean, we end up sinning by trying to stop sin from happening to someone in you know, a situation.
2: Right. And, and here's the situation, too, that we face uh, as believers. The more righteous we are as believers, the more we will be hated by the world. Now, there were people that really loved Jesus. There was a minority that loved and followed Jesus. And the same way it is today, there's a Jesus the more, the more hated the world. Jesus, uh, john, uh, he said in first uh apostle john in first john 3:13 he says marvel don't marvel if the world hates you i mean don't think wow i can't believe yeah. the more godly that i am the the more i get hated by the world and, uh, and and even paul said you know the more we love even in the church the less we're loved by even the people in our churches Mm-hmm. And he says, "He says, the more I love Second Corinthians twelve fifteen, um, he says, I, I, I love you, but the more I love you, the less you love me, <laughs> because he he he's bringing them the truth. He's yeah. bringing the Do truth. Do I become love. your
0: enemy because I tell you the truth? Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. That's
2: what happens. So, but the thing is, a truly godly life is is such a contrast. It provokes. It's a contrast. It's a provoking contrast, a rebuke
0: yeah, to the ungodliness,
2: rebuke, yeah. ungodliness that we live in in this unjust world.
0: And that's why they hated Jesus, because his life, his righteous, holy life, his desire to absolutely continually and only seek the will of the Father right. was a rebuke to their religion. It was a rebuke. To, to, it was it was he didn't he wasn't there to rebuke them. I mean, it's just the light rebukes the darkness. And that's what happened. And the same with us when you're living a righteous and just life. And they're going to try to find a little fault. And at the point where they can provoke you to do one little thing wrong, you know, you you finally they poke, 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 squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. And you blurt out something that you regret or that gets them to be justified now in their provoking. I mean, this is what witchcraft does. It provokes, provokes, provokes until it, it and it. It, the whole game is to get you to do something wrong so it can point the finger at you and all of its cronies around will join in to point the finger at you and condemn you. Now, it's, it's not offenses will come. We will be tempted and we will fall sometimes to be offended. Um, but in Matthew, you know, Jesus is talking about the millstone uh, and the offense that comes to the weak, especially the children. He says, bring the little children to me. That the kingdom of heaven is made of the of the, those who humble themselves as children. Um, whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. To offend a child, to misuse, misteach, abuse, uh, cast off, neglect the child. He says, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, that is to get evil, get to to be afraid, to be in despair, to feel neglected, rejected. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Can you imagine that picture that someone who's just violated, uh, assaulted children and they take him out into the depths of the ocean. They tie a millstone around his neck or a couple of cement blocks and cast him into the ocean with no life jacket. And they let him sink. That's what Jesus said. That would be good for you. That's what you deserve.
2: Like a, uh, an abortion doctor or uh, a pedophile, for example, Mm -hmm. they would be included in that
0: Mm -hmm. very
2: strong language.
0: Yeah, he says, woe to the world. Woe. God, what does woe mean? Woe. Well, for one thing, woe to a horse means stop. Woe. Stop it. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come. But woe to that man by whom the offense comes. If you are the conduit for Satan's assault, his injustice, his attack against someone, um, he said it'd be better if you cut your hand off, your foot off, or pluck out your eye. And, of course, these are not literal because plucking out your hand, your foot, your eye, that's really not going to stop you from sinning if it's still in your heart. What he's saying is you've got to take heed. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of the Father who is in heaven. This was probably, as you think about it, the disciples, you know, the children were gathering around him. And, um, you know, at one point the disciples t- tried to shoo them away. Um, and, and this is one of Jesus' strongest um, rebukes. The world, and he uses the example of the child to bring this huge, I don't know, castigation, uh, reproof, rebuke against the world. And he says, um, because why is he so adamant about this? Because he says, verse eleven of eighteen, Matthew eighteen eleven, for the Son of Man has come to save that which is lost, not to cast it off, not to discourage it, not to think le- love. His whole deal is love. When you hurt someone when you when you discourage them when you steal their hope from them steal their life from them and children don't know even stealing it um, that he says there's there's that is a, a sin against love love you know he says if I have a hundred sheep and one goes lost and missing I will go after that one and I'll rejoice when I find it How many little dead sheep have wandered off and we find them dead because nobody took the moment the time to love them to listen to them you know that doesn't mean love doesn't mean you give them everything they want love means you listen with your heart to what they're maybe not even saying a lot of times they don't know how to articulate what's going on and the next thing they commit suicide and they're dead there's a lot of people committing suicide today because nobody listens to them because love is not there and your greatest gift is love and love bears all things believes all things hopes all things endures all things love never gives up Love never fails because love is Jesus. Jesus came into this condemned world and he says, I'm not condemning you. You're already condemned. You know, I'm here to save you. Seek and save that which is lost. We're not, we're, we're, we're not depraved. We need to be saved because we're lost. We're, we're not, you know, unsavable because we're depraved like, like the Calvinists would think. We are savable because we're God's children. We're simply lost. Something that's lost is actually precious. It's not despised, it was despised. you wouldn't look for it. he's looking for us because we're precious in his sight and um and so therefore th- this law of love, perfect love is a, is is the enemy, wickedness and injustice dealing with offenses and injustice is the affront to love it, it's assaults love it it wants us to become bitter and vindictive and retaliatory <laughs>
2: so the question is how how do we as live in a world of injustices, that we, you know, we experience these one, in one way or another on a daily basis. So wh- wh- how, how are we going to uh, live in the midst of this? I, I would say one of the things that we need to do is that to keep on doing what's right, even though it may be unnoticed and unappreciated. So one of the things, too, is that Jesus said, when you when you do your alms, your righteous acts, mm-hmm. don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing and vice mm-hmm. versa. Do it in secret, and the Father who sees you in secret will be reward you openly. So, you know, sometimes, you know, we we uh, live for... The praise of men. Uh, the praises of men. <laughs> yeah. You know, that was what the Pharisees mm-hmm. did. They wanted to be mm-hmm. thought of as, you know, very spiritual people and so forth. But oftentimes... You, you do the right thing, and, and it's not noticed, it's not appreciated, and it can be very much opposed, but you need to persist in doing
0: the and here's right the, thing. The, and, and the, here's another piece with doing the right thing. <clears throat> you know, Satan is going to test our motives. Are you doing the right thing to be seen by men? Are you doing the right thing because you're afraid you're going to feel guilty if you don't do the right thing? Or, are you, or is your motive love, and you're doing the right thing because you're doing it for the right reason? If you're doing living your life as unto the Lord Himself to please Him, then that's the right reason, the right motive. If you if you <clears throat> live your life to make somebody else like you, or 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 you know help you to you know promote you somehow, so you're kind of you know living to get their favor and bribe them, motivated that way, that is not the right reason. And believe you me, if Satan senses any smells, any kind of wrong motives in the life of a believer he'll sniff it out and he'll test you in that very thing he doesn't let you get by with anything he has a the you know the, the ability to sniff out righteousness and if what you're doing is not with the right motive for the lord god himself he the, this is again why because the devil recognizes fear he knows fear and if you're doing this because of man fear or for pride or promotion or people pleasing if he, the devil knows fear And so he says, "Ah, I got you. Let me test you. And I'll prove that you're not doing this for the right reason.
2: Yeah. The the proverb says that the fear of man brings a snare. It's like a trap. Yep. Uh, But he that puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. So the thing is, the people, if you live to please people, the people that bless you today can curse you tomorrow. Yeah. But, so, but
0: you don't care. It's not about that. Because, well,
2: the idea—that's the thing—is. But if you're living to please people, that's yeah, how it's going to work for yeah, you. Yeah. But if you're living to serve the Lord, uh, and, and we want to bless people, we don't want to curse people. We want to bless people. But we're not man pleasers. We're not here just to
0: listen to the be power. Be ruled
2: by this, human opinion of us. Or that's what, so. That's or so confining. That's yeah. so
0: limiting. Because when Jesus gave us power, like again in John twenty twenty three, he said, I'm reading it again, and he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. He's giving you and I the power to forgive sins. And when he did that, they the Pharisees came unglued. He's the Son of God, and they came unglued because, you know, when the paralytic was brought to him and he said, Son, he said, you you are forgiven your sins are forgiven stand up and walk rise up and walk um first he called him son giving the man back his identity as a son of the most high many that's the place the first place we begin to forget things we forget who we are we're sons and daughters of the most high god and then we get pulled into the swill of believing we are what happens to us what we are what we do and that's the, the the snake pit of life we are who god says we are and we can get thrown into the pit and get muddy and dirty, but that doesn't you know, when a baby is thrown into a mud puddle or plays in the mud puddle, you are able to discern the difference between the baby and the mud on the baby and the dirty clothes. You are able to you don't throw the baby away with the dirty clothes and you you take the baby, unclean you wash him off her off, and then you Throw the clothes away or get new clothes or whatever. So it's like we need to know that we are the sons and daughters of God who've been thrown into the mud puddle. And so don't look at the mud and say, that's who I am. When we forgive someone, God is saying, okay, here's what I want you to do. This is what this means. You and I, when we forgive, it's not because we're high and mighty and better than them. It's because what forgiveness really means is you bring the crime to the most high judge. It, it says, okay, I forgive you. I release you from my judgment. I I forgive, and you know, it's so powerful. This forgiveness thing is so incredibly powerful. And going to the court of heaven with these crimes is absolutely imperative now for the, the people of God. If you want any kind of justice in the middle of injustice and offense, you know, it's, it's amazing. I can, can I tell them the story about the horse? I don't know. This might flow. I do a lot of counseling. And not too long ago, I had a lady in my office who's, um, this is a true story, by the way, I'm not, not embellishing it at all. Um, She has a horse that she loves, and her horse is nine years old, and her horse is an Arabian, and Arabians are quite flighty and, you know, very sensitive and blah, blah, blah. Well, this horse, before she got the horse, had four or five trainers. I think it's on its fifth trainer now. And then the the first trainer um, abused the horse, and the horse was whipped. And it's, you know, I, I would imagine I, I, would, I saw it as it was being whipped in its back hind quarters, maybe by its legs and ankles, because, you know, horses cannot see right behind them. Their eyes don't work that way. Their eyes work only out to the side. They can't see right in front of them. If you put your hand right in front of them their their eyes, they can't see it because their eyes don't look straight forward and they can't see back. And so this horse was very, very flighty and, and hard to train the trainer, uh, kind of a horse whisperer was talking to the horse and, 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 you know, working with the horse and training the horse, but they could see that he was very frightened and been traumatized by this uh, initial uh, trauma when he was young. And so, okay, we're talking about, how does this have to do with anything with injustice? Well, it does. Animals can be unjustly treated for all of you who've got pets who are, who you've got them from the pound and they've been abused and da-da-da-da-da, and here's the secret that works. Okay, praise God for the last day's revelations. Anyway, so I said, hey, I said, let's let's forgive those first trainers who beat your horse let's take this grievous this injustice committed against this horse to the lord because we're going to forgive people here we're forgiving the people who beat him and were impatient and traumatized the horse and marked him uh with fear so that the horse now can't stand still he he can't be ridden he's not been ridden all these years and that's the goal is to get him to be rideable so anyway so as the as the, the and so we prayed and we forgave the people who whipped him, who, you know, I, I struck him on the back where he couldn't see and made him now fidgety and sensitive and he can't stand straight. He's turning around all the time to see who's behind him. We forgave them. And this was at the point where the fifth trainer was kind of about ready to give up on the horse. And the next day, the very next day, my friend, the, the, the gal went out to, to work with her horse and the trainer again. And the horse was peaceful. And the horse was cooperative and, and he just was like 180 degrees different. And first she says, well, maybe it w- I thought maybe it was because the sun was shining and it was a nice day. But then she said, but one of the other gals came in with her horse, same nice, shiny day. And her horse was acting up and being horrible. And so obviously it had nothing to do with the weather. So her horse, this, this uh, g- client's horse was peaceful and the work in the court of heaven had been done. And so now the the spirits of fear and torment and, um, uh, well, I suppose, trauma that caused this horse to not be able to trust or settle down were being dealt with by the Most High God. This is the power of forgiveness. You start to forgive your persecutors, those who are offending you. Forgive the people of this nation. Forgive whoever you need to be. Just use your, you can use your power all day long if you want to. You can forgive, forgive, and turn it over to God. Here's another crime Turn over God. Here's another crime Turn. You can read the news and, and spend all the rest of the night turning crimes over to God, forgiving people. It doesn't say you have to forgive only those who are related to you. And it doesn't say you can only forgive those who are alive. And it doesn't say, you know, you can't use this blessing for other, like, animals. I mean, I know God loves horses. Obviously, he's got lots of them in heaven. You know what I'm saying? And so you may think this is crazy, but if you don't believe me, go try it. Bring it to God. You as you know, she was the authorized representative to that horse because she owned the horse. That really helps a lot. But if somebody's done something to you, that makes you a justified complaint plaint, a plaintiff in the case, and you can bring it before the High Court of Heaven.
2: Yeah, when some, when when you face some injustice that comes, an unjust criticism, or someone cheated and you got you know cheated to get advantage over you, or whatever it is. Yeah. Offense. You can at first the first reaction a lot of times it's just
1: it can be hurt.
2: It's not fair. Mm -hmm. It's offense. It's anger. It can turn into bitterness. But forgiveness diffuses all that and gives opportunity for God to work in the hearts of those people as well as in your own heart. And then you are free. Mm -hmm. See if you if you caught up, you get caught up with the spirit of the offenders. OK,
1: mm-hmm.
2: if you don't if you if you're not forgiving. So forgiveness really f- sets you free to do what God has called you to do. And, and and part of the thing, too, is that we are not we have to keep in mind that we are we're servants of the most high God.
1: yes OK, and he sees- we're
2: doing something to the Lord that he sees. Yeah. We're doing something unto the Lord and he sees it all. And uh, it says in Colossians three seventeen. And uh, 23 and 24 says, um, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him, thanks to God and the Father through him. And what and then verse 23 and 24, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, yeah. knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward
1: Amen. of the
2: inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. So this is how. Perfect. This is how to to really excel. When you're doing everything, you're, you're in your workplace, or you're in your sport, or or your writing, or your music, or whatever. It is. If you're doing it onto the Lord, everything, everything you do is onto the Lord. That is true worship. Right. What that that is so Blesses wonderful. God's knowing heart. God is going to reward you eventually mm-hmm. for that.
0: Well, the fact that God is even being blessed by you doing it right then is reward enough actually we're not doing it for reward but that's you know just because we love him and this is a way we express our love
2: And another thing too is that not always are we going to be treated unjustly as believers that we can be hated we can be persecuted as believers but there's also there's favor that can come even with unbelievers as right. we live that's righteously mm-hmm. we talk about in, in the early chapters of the book of Acts the, the early believers, that said they were praising God and what, having favor with all the people. Mm-hmm. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So there can be okay. favor by righteous behavior, righteous conduct, right. honest conduct, mm-hmm. good attitude, good spirit, good fruit. cheerfulness, good fruit of that mm-hmm. will have an effect on uh, even the hard unbelievers. And, and they can be won over right. through our righteous uh, way of life
0: well it's interesting peter the how peter grew from the point of x 18 i mean matthew eighteen twenty one, where he comes to jesus and says then peter came to him and said lord how often shall my brother sin against me and i forgive him up to seven times and jesus said to him i'm sure with a smile i do not say to you up to seven times but up to 70 times seven now that would be 490 times and, and he's saying you know and in the end peter was laid down his life for jesus he was not he didn't take up offense he forgave his persecutors his those who crucified him he said i'm not worthy to die like the lord so the tradition has it that he was actually crucified upside down but the thing is how he grew in understanding the power of this walk with god with this this walk with jesus is is not a church walk it's not a cakewalk it's not a you know there's seven things you do walk it's it's in check off the list walk it's not you know you know church commandments and and it's it's not r- rigorous and ritualistic real relationship with god and relationships uh there's a lot of things that come through relationships that can't be written down on a list and you can't determine them with you know uh, a mes- a measuring rod or a, a you know can't have a scorekeeper on it. But, but going back to how many times are we supposed to forgive? A lot of times I think we're afraid to forgive because we feel like they'll get by with something and they'll do it again. Or if I forgive them, you know, I, you know, it might make me more vulnerable to being hurt again. Um, God doesn't say, you know, when you forgive, you forgive from the heart, you turn it over to God. Um, that means you're turning the offense over to God and trusting him to do the right thing, to restore unto you justice, and that's what we did with the horse. We asked God to restore unto this horse everything that was stolen from it, including its peaceful disposition, you know, because the horse was stolen from. When you're abused, when there's trauma, when when there's neglect, rejection, lies, assaults against you, crimes committed, something has been stolen from you, and the law of love has not been fulfilled. That's why people are angry because it's the law of love that we know in our hearts that needs to uh, you need to love me, I need to love you. That has been withheld, that causes the bitterness, the anger, the unforgiveness, the offense. Because that is the one rule, the one law that does not change, and that's the law of love. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love the Lord thy God with all the hearts of mind and strength the neighbor as thyself.
2: Forgiveness does not mean we are allowing someone to get by with some crime. Because God is the one that's going to judge, we're just releasing it to the Lord, mm-hmm. and and over and over and over again, the Scripture says.
0: Otherwise, you become bitter and you get sick.
2: Right. It's and your
0: body can't carry first all this. Part injustice. of uh,
2: Proverbs eleven twenty one, it says, "Though they join forces,
0: mm-hmm.
2: the wicked will not go unpunished." That's right. So we
0: got to trust God on that. That's His word. God keeps His word.
2: Yeah, and then another thing too is that. One of the things is just persistence uh, persistence in doing the right thing uh by god's grace it's so it's it's a key and it's like the guy that you know I've shared the story here I think before about the guy that built the Panama Canal mm-hmm. uh many years ago, and they thought that was the most foolish stupid idea and 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 the people were criticizing him, politicians, and the press was criticizing him just hacking on him all the time for mm-hmm. that's the stupidest idea. And they finally one day at a press conference, somebody a- yelled out and asked him, hey, what are you going to do? Uh, how are you going to respond to your critics? And he said, I'm going to build the canal. Amen. So just doing the right thing. And so you, in Acts chapter 4, they were telling uh, Peter and John and so forth, don't preach the gospel anymore. Yeah. Don't yeah. use the name of Jesus. Right. Well, they said, we can't.
1: Not. We're
2: not here to please men. We're here to please God. Mm-hmm. We cannot help but speak the things that we have seen and heard. So mm-hmm. they just kept on doing what they were called to do by God. Yes. That's how they, they dealt with that.
0: And God is the righteous judge of all the earth. He will, and he cannot and will not do wrong. Um, you can trust him. I think this is where we, when you forgive someone, you're releasing the crime to the judge. And when you go to court on earth, you turning the crime over to the judge and or the jury, because the thing is you're releasing it. You're trusting them. You're allowing them to render, you know, d- due process of law. Now, obviously the human courts are flawed, but in the court of God there is no flaw because Jesus Christ is the witness. He is the faithful witness. Revelations um, three, five, I think it is, is I'm the faithful witness. And so he's come to testify to the truth. About He knows the truth. He knows what's on, happened. He knows behind the scenes. He knows what the devil did to set it all up. And so when you come to God and you ask for mercy, you ask for God to judge this thing, then you're no longer obligated to be the judge, nor are you in it. And if you're afraid that that person might come after you or get by with something, then you need to ask the Lord because the Lord is not going to let anybody get by with anything. There is all going to be It says everything is going to be revealed in that day. Uh, the secrets are going to be revealed. Uh, yeah. nothing hidden that will not be made known. Right. Everything is going to come to the surface.
2: Right, and in Matthew nineteen thirty, it says, but many who are first will be last, mm-hmm. and the last first. So it looks like those now that are, you know, preeminent, you know, maybe world leaders, conspirators, and so forth.
0: Could get the prize places. They
2: seem like they're the they ones the on, piece, to, the on choice top pieces. of things. Yep. Yep. They're the ones with the power, the money, the influence. Mm-hmm.
0: The last and, be and, first. And,
2: and everything, but, you know, and then the little... The little lady, the little guy, the be- believer, the child that's, that's living godly, you know, that look like they're of no account. They're just, don't, nobody pays any attention to them. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that are going to be the first. Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they, for they shall inherit the
1: earth.
0: Amen. And in John, uh, Matthew chapter 20, you might have just read that one, 16, it says, uh, in the parable, he's talking about the parable of, you know, the man giving out wages, And to the last, he gave the same amount of wages he did to the ones who worked all day. Uh, And then he says, so the last will be first and the first will be last. So many are called, but few are chosen. So we're not the judge of who's going to end up where in the ranking and what rewards we're going to get. That's God's job. That's God's delight. And your delight is in the Lord. As you delight yourself in the Lord, um, we will not fall short in the day of those eternal rewards and we'll be happy to see Jesus, and it won't be a woe and a terror to us. Jesus' is coming back is going to be a woe and a terror, and uh, un- unbelievably, uh, uh, the day will be just uh, unbelievably uh, destroyed if you don't love Jesus or know him.
2: Well, God is just, and he will see to it that justice prevails all through his creation, and that all righteousness will eventually be rewarded, eventually be rewarded. And all unrighteousness will eventually be punished and eliminated.
0: And this is the promise of God, that he is the righteous judge. And um, in that day of judgment, he will, uh, we want to be found you know, hearing the words, well done, good and faithful servant. So Father God, we thank you for this awesome uh, opportunity to live, to suffer, to uh, turn offenses over to you to bring forth the kingdom of God that has begun in us, that work of, of righteousness, peace, and joy, to bring it forth into the communities, into the lives of those around us. And we thank you for that great privilege that is our life, and we give it to you.
2: Lord, we thank you, Father, that in the midst of a, an unjust, wicked world, we can live as lights. We cannot be overcome with evil, it says in, as it says in Romans 12 but we can overcome evil with good. That's our call, Lord. Yes. And so thank, thank you, Lord. Give us grace to forgive. You give us grace to move forward and with what live. you called us to do, mm-hmm. that we're doing everything that we're doing, Lord, by your grace, by your power, and
0: and Bless each one one, yes. you.
2: Mm-hmm. And so bless and encourage mm-hmm. those that may be feeling Shumbling. like they're very much victims of, of some unjust, unjust act or situation or pattern. Let them be encouraged today by this message. Yes Lord to be faithful to you yes and to even rejoice in the midst of this.
0: Yes, we God. ask
2: this in Jesus name Yes,
0: and let your holy Spirit prevail in their lives, in our lives for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. I have an emergency. what is your location?
2: for yourself.